0: 7 to
1: 8 PM. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Yes, uh, that is me. Good evening. Welcome to uh, the show. Uh, I am Tabiso Musia. Lyolom Kalipi is producing. Sylvester Komane in technical. And air on social media with us is Tabucho Khadebe This evening. We will have a we still have a Wimbledon hangover, and we will talk to South Africa's wheelchair tennis player K.G. Munchane this evening. She went all the way to the semis of Wimbledon, but what has caught our attention is the fact that she went there without a coach due to a lack of funds. Uh, so we want to understand how is that possible, and how much was needed to take her coach to Wimbledon, and why could she not get any assistance? It's an incredible achievement reaching the last four if you take everything into account. So we'll speak to K.G. Munjane. She's still overseas and we just want to find out, uh, get get the side of the story from her side because I can't believe that she went to a a Grand Slam without a coach, folks. It is Tuesday, so we'll also talk careers in sport and many people have been asking for this one. Tonight we'll speak to a football agent or intermediary as they are now called just to find out exactly what is it that they do. You'll remember uh, last week there was this whole scandal with the competitions commission which, uh, which charged agents for colluding when it comes to commission fees. For players and coaches, and I think uh, this gives us an opportunity then to understand this trade a bit better. Then, IX Cape Town. Uh, Tendai Indoro saga has taken yet another twist today with IX announcing that they will interdict the start of the season as they are opposing the PSL's decision to appeal judge Denise Fisher's ruling that reinstated IX to 15th place on the log and uh, this is after the PSL said uh, that the start of the league will go ahead as scheduled on the um, uh, on the 4th of August so we'll speak to SABC sports reporter Rob Delport uh, who was at the IX press conference today just to find out what is it uh, that Ajax, what is the next step that Ajax are taking now And, and what exactly does it mean But it looks like they're going to interdict the start of the season If you missed the football today Mamelodi Sundowns uh, began life Without Kamabiliat and Tau. They took on uh, the whipping boys Of uh, Group C, A.S. Togo In a Champions League uh, group, uh, uh, group group stage encounter Well, they're no longer the whipping boys A.S. Togo because they did beat Sundowns 1-0 So Sundowns are now bottom of the group After three matches they lost 1-0 at AS Togo That goal uh, coming just before half-time They did have their chances Mamelody Sundowns uh, You could see they were a bit rusty though uh, They're coming f- back from pre-season and they didn't make full use of their chances so they lost that match to AS Togo by one goal to nil Andile Jali making his debut he started a uh, former Melody Sundowns in uh, this one but it wasn't uh, a debut to remember I guess so up next then we'll speak to KG Munjane, who reached the semis of uh, the Wimbledon Championships the first black woman to play at Wimbledon and she will talk to us shortly if you want to add uh, join in the conversation at any time or any of our conversations this evening uh, please feel free to uh, call us on 891 104207 our sms line is 40938 our whatsapp number is 61 4104107 and hashtag safm spot on 7 p.m so now let's speak to khutat somun then who reached the same of wimbledon as i keep mentioning she's still uh, that side and she joins us on the line and she'll stay she'll tell us why she's still there kg good evening and thank you very much for finding time to speak to us on safm
2: Good to you and to the listeners firstly congratulations
1: on playing um the Wimbledon championships your first one how do you describe the feeling
2: uh firstly thank you so much it was uh, it was overwhelming it was a very great experience for me wimbledon it's a, it's, a, it's such a tournament with a with a tradition you know a very respectable uh, tradition something you don't get in the other Grand so it was uh, quite a nice experience for me mm. and how do you
1: qualify for Wimbledon in wheelchair tennis or is it by invite how does it work
2: uh, in wheelchair tennis qualifying into any Grand Slam you need to be ranked top 7 in the world because it's only top 8 that plays but number 8 they normally give the a wild card to country men or women so which uh, in the Previous years with Wimbledon, they they they've always looked if they've got uh, any British players in mm-hmm. a in, in a draw already, and if they do, normally they give a wild card to uh, a, a deserving player or the player that they think uh, deserves a chance to be there. And in other Grand Slams, normally they just give it to the countrymen and women. But Australia also, because they don't have a mostly in the in the in the ladies, they don't have a, a, a strong women, mm-hmm. so normally they give a wild cut to, to the number eight. So oh. qualifying into all the four Grand you need to be sexually ranked in, in the in the top seven because number number eight is, uh, is always a wild cut.
1: It's a lottery. And you, what's your world ranking?
2: Uh, before Wimbledon, I was eight. Which uh, after yeah after uh, after Wimbledon, then, then it went up to to six.
1: Oh, great, yeah. great, great stuff! Now I've been mentioning that you reached the semis. Um, how does it work? How many matches did you play to get to the semis?
2: I mean, uh, it's only eight players. We play from oh, quarterfinals. It's a knockout round, so it starts with the quarterfinals and straight into the semis and the final. So oh. it's only it's only like three matches and only two seeded players: number one and number two. And Number three can still play number one first round. So that's how oh. tough it is because <laughs> huh. it's only the, all the strongest players in the world, all the best players in the world. So it's it's difficult like that.
1: Well, it's still a great achievement. What were your expectations going into the tournament? Were you expecting to win it or were you taking it match by match?
2: Uh, for me, it was just so one match at a time because I never played on thrust before. I didn't know what to expect, mm-hmm. never pushed on thrust. So for me, it was it was a networking tournament. I mean, even if I knew my opponent, how she plays and stuff like that, I was still nervous going into the match because I didn't know what to expect from her playing on grass because she played doubles before at Wimbledon, so she knows how grass feels. So, so, so I didn't I didn't really have any expectation honestly going to Wimbledon. It was just for me to go out there, cherish the experience, and. Come back, you know, with a better knowledge uh, next year. So it, it it was good that I managed to to pull a win, and uh, I'm I'm just for that.
1: And put us on the map. And off the court, what were the highlights we saw on social media? You met the Duchess of Sussex. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, you know, and it was quite a surprise because uh, one of the tournament organizers just came to me the the the, the evening before when I was having uh, dinner, like. Tomorrow can we meet on the on the cross level, you know, this this level is just like a cross level where people chill out. So they said, Can I I meet you there like twelve for twelve? I can't tell you it's confidential. So just please be there. I was like, Okay then, you know, I kept wondering what's so confidential. And tomorrow there were other like all, all kids and other junior players and one other wheelchair player also. Boom, there comes the royal family. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was amazing, because I, I didn't expect that. I, I, I didn't know what to expect, actually, but it was quite amazing that, you know, given that opportunity to meet the royal family, which is it's a, it's a, real moment. It's a real moment in the world. So, yeah, that, that was quite a highlight for me, because I didn't expect that.
1: Did you watch the royal wedding like the rest of us on TV?
2: <laughs> of course, it was all over the TV. <laughs> Almost every channel, it was just the royal wedding, so I couldn't have missed it. Okay, so why
1: are you still that side? I'm told you are playing in another tournament. Which one is that?
2: Yeah, I'm playing in the British Open uh, this week. Because uh, yeah, normally when when I travel, it's always better to come into at least two or three tournaments that are in a row because it's it's easier that way, and it's I mean it's it's cost effective because we don't have lot of, we don't have tournaments in Africa, so it's wise when you come here you play a couple of tournaments. So that it can be able to, you know, generate your a point. Because I started in Swiss before Wimbledon and then now then Wimbledon, this is going to be my third, my last tournament because after here, yeah, I'm coming home. So it's always wise to do tournaments like that. So I'm in British Open this week and when mm. it's finished, then I should be on the home,
1: Now talking about the travelling, uh, KG, what stood out for us was the fact that you were at Wimbledon without your coach. Why is that? How did that happen?
2: <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if you're quite aware of what's really happening with wheelchair tennis in South Africa. I mean, the, we have lost a long-time uh, sponsor, a sponsor company in South Africa, mm. which has been, you know, ha, ha, has been there for us as players throughout our career. And losing that, it has been a massive, a massive, massive blow. So there's no fighting for us as players, honestly, and. I was fortunate that I finally when, when I was sending out uh, my, my, my sponsorship proposal, I sent to Mrs. Mbeki. So Mrs. Mbeki responded back because she leads the WP, WPB Trust. Mm-hmm. So they contacted me and they gave me a certain amount of money, which it was, it was brilliant because by then already I, I qualified into, into Roland Garros. So. That money came into the right time because I was able to, to go to Roland Garros. And with that money, I mean, I had to pay for myself and I had to pay for my coach. So, because it's important to always take a course to translate, otherwise you don't really get anyone to hit with. So with that money, I, I spent it on me and the coach and the money that was left. Honestly, it wasn't enough to take me and the coach, you know. So mm. I had to make that sacrifice that... I'm going to be the only one who's going to go on this trip and I will just figure it out, getting on to the, yeah, to the next side. So basically the financial uh, strain, it's, it was really, you know, causing mm-hmm. the whole thing that I'm traveling without mm-hmm. coach to such a big tournament.
1: Yeah. And was it, a, was it a huge disappointment for you that you couldn't travel with your coach uh,
2: to Wimbledon? Of course, it was. It it, it was. It was. Uh, always. It's always nice to to have someone who understands you better as a player and who understands your style of you know of playing. So who translate things in a way that you understand them. So it's it, it's always a good thing to have a coach there. But I was disappointed that I couldn't have him there. But other than that, we're still talking. We're still talking on WhatsApp. Like, you no, know, he he kept. You know reminded me stuff I need to keep working on. And I was so fortunate that the guy that I got this side when I explained to him what I what I'm actually working on with Michael, he seemed to be understanding of that as a, as a tennis coach also and basically he was just there to make sure that I warm up every day and I get ready for the match.
1: Yeah. So, is it a situation that you accept a, a kg that is a lack of finances that uh, Airports company South Africa pulled out, or do you think more could have been done to assist you to get your coach there?
2: You know, as someone who's always been uh, dependent on 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 uh, federation funding, which was coming from airport company South Africa, I, I'm I'm not really so sure if. You know, a lot could have been done. Because I mean, I'm at the point whereby I just understand that uh, what we're going through as as water tennis in Africa is it, it's it, it's just a blow. You know, so mm-hmm. many so many kids are struggling already. Because water tennis is not only out there for uh, competitive reason; it, it's a, it's a therapeutic sport. I mean, you can imagine what it has done to other... other kids so for me i'm just i'm I'm just rolling with the thing that i understand my situation and i'm gonna have to do whatever i can to 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 make it work for myself to to keep playing you know because if i if i focus on the negative side of it it doesn't really benefit me as a a player so I, i had to like you know find a way to find uh positivity through it so that i can make it work
1: well, you said you eventually found a coach. That side, who pays then for that coach? Do you pay out of your own pocket now?
2: Yeah, I had to. Uh, I had to do it out of my own pocket. Like, I, like I'm saying, I had to understand that situation. That uh, that that federation has no funding, so I had to, like, yeah, source it out of my my own pocket and uh, and and pay him because I had to somehow thank him for what he did he did for me so mm. yeah and, and he stopped whatever he was doing you know to come and help because he's someone who stays here and he runs a tennis lab also so he had to hang up some of uh, his own letters to okay. come and help me so which you know we, we had to work around the rate he charges every day so yeah mm. so I had to make that sacrifice.
1: So, what does the future hold now, um, KJ? That there's no sponsorship for wheelchair tennis SA and no guaranteed support for other international events that you'll be taking part. How do you look at the future now?
2: Uh, you know, uh, you say I know I'll be I'll be lying to you, but uh, you know what? Um, so uh, the, the, I'm so confident with the with the new board that we have at wheelchair tennis South Africa at the moment. Uh, we we, we will, but lacks of, you know. New people in the board. That even, I mean, to to get initiative to meet, you know, players, which is something that hasn't happened in the past. And I think having the new board, they, they, they will do whatever they can to 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 save this sinking ship. You know, for me at the moment, with no any form of sponsorship, I don't want to lie to you and say I know what's gonna happen next. But uh, for sure, uh, I I was. You know, go back to South Korea and see what can they do for me. Since we're approaching uh, 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 Paralympic year, so uh, I, I would, I would uh, for me, I would go and look into that and see how it goes. But at the moment, with no financial support, I can't really say much. I just have to take it one day at a time and see what comes my way. Yeah.
1: Do you have plans of playing um, the U.S. Open later this year? <laughs>
2: Uh, I think the deadline was yesterday, uh, should I make a cut, definitely I will make a plan to be there, that's one thing for sure, uh, it's not uh, a tournament that I, that I would miss, so should should I should I make a cut to the US Open, definitely I will be there, mm-hmm. or how, is that something I need to worry about at the moment, because I'm in a tournament. I'm in a tournament I need not to stress much and I know it, sometimes it's good to think ahead but as an athlete sometimes it doesn't really serve while well in the middle of the tournament when you get affected by external factors so I will, I will close that bridge when I get there to finish.
1: Okay please keep us updated uh, KG we're going to put the story out there we're going to highlight it but I like your spirit I like that you're going to keep soldiering on that's what's taken you this far in life and well done on reaching the semi-finals of Wimbledon and we appreciate that you found time to speak to us. Thank you so much. And uh, by the way, the coach that we were talking about is Gerald Stofbeck. That's KG Munjana's coach that couldn't travel with her to Wimbledon. Up next, we'll speak to wheelchair tennis South Africa just to understand the challenges that they are faced with at the moment.
0: Hashtag SAFM Sport On.
1: So let's continue this conversation just to understand the challenges faced by our wheelchair tennis players and the Federation. And Anthony Murutane uh, from Wheelchair Tennis SA joins us on the line now. Anthony, good evening and thank you for joining us on SAFM. Uh, good evening to you, Tariso, and your listeners,
0: and uh, thanks for having us.
1: Firstly, I'm sure you must be proud of KG's uh, performance, uh, even though she didn't go all the way, but she made it to the last four.
0: Listen, we are very proud of Katie's achievements, and uh, we remain uh, committed to helping her grow as a federation in her career. I mean, she's definitely an inspiration to youngsters and gives hope to people living with disabilities. Just um, telling it out there that it is possible that they can be anything they want to be. I mean, uh, she has worked so hard to be deserving to, um, to be deserving of the of the wild card. Mm. And great achievement reaching the semifinals on her debut at SW19. Mm. She's definitely a trailblazer, a barrier breaker, and a game changer. So we are ex- we are very proud of her. That was more than we have, we expected.
1: And her the first time playing on grass too. Also the first black woman to play um, at, at Wimbledon. But are you as touched as us, Anthony, by the fact that she couldn't travel with the coach? How do you feel as wheelchair tennis? S.A.?
0: You know, uh, and there so is unfortunately following the loss of our longtime sponsor, Airport Company South Africa, who has been with, uh, wheelchair tennis since this infection, uh, 11 years ago. Um, we lost a sponsor about 18 months ago. We have had some serious financial challenges that affect players like KG, yeah. Lucas, you can name them in our programs at large. So we would have loved to send a coach with KG, but finances do not allow us to do so. I mean, uh, WTA is also not in any position to pay for the co- the cost of a coach to travel to any to any event. I mean, even as large and prestigious as Wimbledon is, we got to a point whereby um, I mean, K G is on a fast program sure. where there's a, like a list of uh, tournaments that fast covers a year, but at, uh, events like Wimbledon, um, uh, because of her ranking, you never know if she will be able to play in the tournament. And we knew uh, she was out the wildcard. I think on the 20th of June, and so we had to start going around trying to find a funding for her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, she was also uh, trying her level best to go out there to seek for help. And luckily, um, WDB came through, and so the sum, those funds were used for the French uh, tour, yes. which is because she qualified for Roland uh, and, and she was with the coach, which was incredible. Uh, But unfortunately, the match was left. It wasn't. We just just couldn't plan play around it to get her to Wimbledon uh, with her coach. So we would have loved to have provided adequate support uh, and a coach for KG. And and if you look at it, you will see one thing that this really highlights the real need. Mm. Um minority sports, particularly disabled and women's sports, have um, for more exposure and greater support from corporate and through uh, the various government structures. Mm.
1: And so was it too late then to ask Sascock because you only found out later that you're going that she's going to Wimbledon because of her ranking, so was it a bit too late to ask for funding?
0: Yes, because she had to leave uh, already um to uh front, to, to the French Open. Sure. Sure, which was key. So we had to find a, a solution at that moment because she needed to travel in a in a couple of days. So I mean, with with Southcorp, as as there's one thing, there's a list of tournaments that are listed that we send them to say, he will be playing at this one, two, three, four, five, six until September. And so the Wimbledon event wasn't part of the event, and we're still in talks with South Cork but uh, luckily. Um, uh, 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 a was able to come through for us. Hmm.
1: I know that you are independent to Tennis South Africa. Does that mean you could also not go to them and ask for assistance?
0: Uh, no. Uh, we are an affiliate to Tennis South Africa and we have always operated as different uh, entities. So we do not really get any sort of funding from Tennis South Africa at all. Hmm. So, so was, that wasn't going to really... Uh, it wasn't an, an option to look at at all.
1: Will it be an option going forward?
0: Can yeah, it be an option? Definitely, definitely. Um, I think the most important thing is uh, having operated uh, uh, as separate entities in the past. Now, um, um, with the new CEO Richard Clover, we they we are they are in talks with our ours, Check and South Africa, to match and start running as uh, one organization. So, I think that definitely will make a uh, great changes to how things are running at the moment.
1: And that's something that you're open to.
0: Absolutely, definitely. I mean, um, this is just—it um, will be great for tennis in the country. I would like to believe so. I mean, we have such an incredible program of over 500 players across the country who plays wheelchair tennis, plus all the great uh, players from uh, tennis of Africa. I mean, that—you get it—is just a beautiful image of tennis in the country. Yeah. So we welcome in that, and we're still in talks, obviously, um, as soon as that happens. And
1: yeah. And I mean, there are some superstars here, some big, some big name players that you produced as wheelchair tennis. I say so you've mentioned Lucas Sutola. We had KG's story. How is Lucas affected by all of this?
0: It's 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 it's, it's quite challenging uh, because you, you look at I mean, luckily players like Lucas KG, they are on uh, a program with Southco, where that's why they're still on tour. They're still able to travel on tour. But, um, I mean, you look at the amount that the South Park obviously allocates to them, does not cover um, an, a, a, a minimum number of tournaments they need to play a year. I mean, for them at their level, they need to at least play 15 to 17 tournaments a year. So uh, that's, that's, that's the biggest challenge. So they end up missing most of the tournaments. I mean, Lucas was ranked number performance well, no, no, number two yeah. in the cross division. Two-time but, Grand uh, Slam champion. Yeah. And due to lack of funding, they end up missing some of the most important tournaments. That results in what? Dropping their ranking. So it has affected them a lot. I mean he's now back at his I mean for the first time he's ranked number six after so long. Yeah. And and
1: now what does the future hold now? Are you still out there looking for sponsorship or are you hopeful of, of of your talks with Tennis SA that they will yield something positive?
0: um we we're still out there we're still out there uh trying to look for assistance we um sending a word out there to to urge individuals or companies to please come on board to support players like the the lucas and the program which are saving over 500 players with within uh, south africa and within most vulnerable communities in the country so we are still looking we are Proactively approaching uh, companies and we hope and um I mean using platforms like this, like this uh, that uh, this can lend to the right ideas that we can be able to get assistance and keep these incredible programs running.
1: Okay, it's really an unfortunate situation here, um, Anthony, but uh, we wish you yeah. all the best. Please keep us updated. If you need a platform, we'll give you a platform here uh, to highlight what's happening and to try and help uh, Wheelchair Tennis SA get support. I know that uh, Post Company South Africa did a sterling job for about 10 or 11 years that they were with Wheelchair Tennis SA. And uh, yeah, it's, it's time for somebody to, 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 to take it over now and make sure that uh, these uh, players are supported. But thank you, Anthony. Keep us updated, please, and we'll, we'll keep it out there in the public space. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That is uh, Anthony Murutana from wheelchair uh, tennis SA, and there is some reaction on social media from Clavanelo Duholo, Duholo saying that um oh my, where's that tweet? Here it is. It says the story of KG Munjan is really sad. How can we be able to bring Obama to SA but can't help KG to have someone uh, to travel with? I'm um, said to be a South African. It's really, really unfortunate. And uh, well done to the WDB uh, Mamabeki and them for finding for for, for basically uh, assisting KG as much as they could but she clearly needs more assistance uh, KG and uh, somebody else Mudisa Watswane says with KG struggling for funding you ask yourself what is the role of the Ministry of Sports and the SA Lottery up next we'll find out the latest in this Axe Cape Town Tenda Indoro saga and then careers in sport we speak to a football intermediary or an agent we'll find out the difference when we speak to them
0: leading sport stories of the day on safm
1: so another day another new development in the IX Tendai i psl saga and uh, let's go over to cape town now to get the latest and uh, boy is it becoming messy rob delport SCBC sports journalist joins us on the line rob uh, good evening uh, please break it down for us what is the next step now for ix
0: good evening
3: to be so. well it looks like there's going to be a few steps um at the press conference today Ari Statio said that they've written to the FIFA Player status committee for further guidance and that's what that was the first thing that he that he brought up and then regarding the PSL's decision to um, uh, appeal the the judge Fisher's decision they're going to Ajax have said that they're going to object to the the need to appeal and they're also going to uh, apply uh, um, go for a section eighteen which basically means that uh, they want judge Fisher's decision to be immediately effective if the appeal is heard. And then, obviously, the big one, they say they're also going to go to the court uh, to interdict the start of the league.
1: So it's four things that they're doing?
3: Yeah, it's basically four things. One has supposedly happened already. They have uh, written to the FIFA Players Committee for guidance um, and are awaiting a reply for that. Um, the next one to uh, interdict the start of the league. They basically said that they were uh, finalizing the paperwork today and were hoping to do that as soon as possible. Um, and obviously the other one depends on the PSL's leave to appeal and mm-hmm. when the high courts are back in session, because that's the other thing. Is Supposedly the high courts are, are in our haters at the moment.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and why do they say they had to go this route? I had the, the CEO, Mr. Ariyev Statio spoke today at the press conference and said a few words.
3: Yeah, well, he said a lot of words. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very long press conference. It's probably as long as your show tonight. <laughs> um, but to summarize, he basically said you know, he's disappointed by the lack of any cooperation or compromise from other parties. And so he didn't see an alternative. And from what the CEO said... Uh, I think he's also concerned that this matter also might keep on getting delayed so much that they reach a point if the, the league is already running that there's no turning back. Sure. So, so
1: so what does it actually mean? They don't want the season to start without this matter being finalized. Is that what they're saying?
3: That, that's correct. Well, as things stand, you see, Ajax considers themselves to be, I uh, have finished 15th again. So technically still in the PSL until the playoffs are replayed. While according to the PSL, Black Leopards are in the PSL and Ajax are relegated.
1: So at the moment, so, what, being, are they preparing for playing in the, in the up Premiership at the moment?
3: You know, I guess technically they're in limbo. Uh, because there hasn't been a huge shift in how Moussa uh, Nurtigal is preparing the team. But obviously the real difference has been that so many players have left the club. I mean, not only those on loan, but quite a few contracts have expired and not been renewed. And of course there's been a lack of new players, which when you're preparing for the PSL and you're seeing all these other play, uh, teams signing players left, right and centre, uh, uh, you know, apart from players promoted from the academy, there aren't really new players at the club yet.
1: So, um, I, heard, I heard Ari saying that they've got solutions. He even uh, said that at, he spoke to SABC Spot the other day saying that he even flew to Joburg to try and adjust, address the BOG. He told them he's coming. He told them he's waiting at reception and nobody allowed him in um, to, to, to say a few words. So, he flew back to Cape Town. What solution does he want? What solution do they have as I' Cape Town?
3: Well, you see, the thing is, is that I don't know if the solution is as easy as that. I mean, I, I, I think one of the things that we've, we've you know, this is a six-month-old, uh, almost virtually six months old that we've been dealing with this. And while we have been dealing with the Endor Saga, every single chapter has had a very different element. I mean, at the beginning, it was whether or not he's eligible to play. Then when the DRC ruled that he could play, you must remember that Ajax were fighting relegation. They wanted to win games. So when the DRC ruled that I, that Ndoro was eligible, you know, then they were fighting to have him eligible to play. Then, when finally all of that matter was put aside and and Ndoro was ruled ineligible, uh, the, the the fight has kind of changed direction a bit because now they're fighting the punishment. Hmm. Um, because I mean, a big thing that uh, the CEO brought up today was the the unprecedented punishment, you know, where points were not only removed from them but given to other teams. And how it affects other teams in the league. I mean, he, he brought up today how Amazulu have been affected, yet they actually have nothing to do with Ajax, Cape Town, or Doro.
1: Yeah, and it's a 1 million Rand swing for Amazulu, who've been knocked out of the top eight, which means they lose out on 800,000 Rand and they also lose on, a finishing, on the money for the finishing uh, position. So it must be a bit over a million Rand. So is, is Ajax in favor of an 18 team league like everybody's suggesting?
3: Yeah, well, listen, they didn't go as far as saying that. Uh, the fact is is that I think at this point they would like to sit at a table and discuss it. I think that's been what where where uh, he's been very disappointed was the fact that you know you mentioned him flying up to Joburg, not given an opportunity to speak to the ex go um you know he's also at the at the bog uh, this is obviously after the board of governors as well and while he may have been given an opportunity to speak he he doesn't believe that the the issue was discussed at all um he believes the exco uh, had made a decision and basically came to to tell the the board that um so i mean it, 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 he he hasn't gone as far as mentioning solutions he mentioned that that somebody else in the bog did bring up the at uh, the Possible other solutions, but that never got discussed either.
1: Sure. So, just to be clear, they've not yet interdicted. They've not. Up, they've not opposed the appeal. That's what they want to do. The only thing that they've done so far is to write to FIFA.
0: Yeah, um,
3: unless something happened after the press conference okay. with the interdict, they did say that they were acting on it as, as fast as possible. But the courts are in recess. So, you know, they, they obviously are going to contact the President judge and try and set something up urgently. Um, whether, the, you know, he did, uh, when asked about a timeline, he did mention that he would love something to happen by the end of the week. Whether that happens is, is you know, we're in the head of the courts. Uh, things do not go very fast in, in, the, in the system because there are a lot of other things for, for judges to deal with.
1: Okay. No, it's getting really messy. Rob Delpot, thank you uh, for providing clarity and telling us what's happened uh, today there in Cape Town. We might have to call you again tomorrow if something else happens, uh, but stay on top of You might of have this to story. call me
3: next <laughs> month to be sure. So <laughs> <laughs> this could be going on forever, and that—that's that, I think, is the biggest concern for yeah. us uh, as people who are just concerned about our football.
1: Are you confident that the league will still start a share yield?
3: I'm not confident about anything. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that we, are, we haven't seen, uh, uh, you know, but normally by this point, we would have seen schedules being released uh, publicly. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that, that, that they are internally have, I mean, the PSL, I'm sure, have, have got an internal schedule drawn up and things like that. But I mean, until, until all this matter is resolved, I mean, I'm not sure we should be starting the league.
1: Well, we did want them also not to go ahead with the playoffs, but no one listens to us, Rob Delport. Uh, thank you very <laughs> much uh, for finding time to speak to us. Uh, it's really, really a, a mess. To be As a CBC Sports reporter Rob Delport there. Up next, we talk careers in sport, and we find out what does it take to become a player agent or an intermediary. What is the difference, and what exactly do these people do?
0: Call Tabison now. 0891-104-207.
1: You know, we might be laughing at this Ice Cape Town situation, but it is really, really sad. It is sad that we we can, that that our league cannot sort out a matter like this, where the rules are supposed to be clear. They're supposed to be black and white. The rules say that you can't play for three clubs in one season. You can register, but you can't play. And I just fail to understand why it's taking it's taking so long to sort this out. And I still believe it goes back to one point that not a lot of people are talking about the head of legal at the psl michael murphy his firm represented ix in this case if that is not a conflict of interest then i don't know what it is i'm not sure why the head of legal at the psl's firm is allowed to represent clubs that are within the psl I really, really do not do not get that, and maybe some one day somebody will give us clarity uh, on on why this is allowed to to go on. Because surely I'm no law expert, but surely, surely this is this is a conflict of interest. He can be on both sides, whether he's directly involved or not. But surely, surely he can't be on both sides. But anyway, let's move on. Let's take on. Let's take, let's talk careers in sport. And tonight we want to find out how does one become a football agent or an intermediary, and what does the job entail. And we are joined on the line by Mr. Paul Mitchell, Mr. Mitchell good evening and thank you for your time and agreeing to speak to us on SAFM about your profession.
4: Good evening to these, so good evening to the listeners.
1: Firstly how long have you been in the business for? I've uh,
4: been in football to be for, so, for nearly 19 years.
1: Whew. And and why did you want to get involved in this field there specifically Mr Paul Mitchell? Um, I
4: was saying necessarily at the time I, I wanted to get involved uh, I, I I spent uh, what 14 15 years in uh, in logistics management um, senior logistics management by the time I'd finished I'd worked in, in UK worked in Europe and worked in Asia um, and then I'd played football at a good level when I was young um, my best friend at the time when we were 18-19 was, was a top player for Wolverhampton uh, wandering and a few other clubs in the UK before the days of agents came out. So I did a little work for him at that at that time with his career. So I, I knew a lot of people in the business and so I knew how it worked. Um, I'd done quite a lot of work as well as a, as a, as a youngster. And uh, when I first left school in the horse racing industry, oh. so you know I had a, a so, so I had a background in sports management, but my management career actually took the logistics route at first and. Um, and yeah, and then an opportunity came to, to go into sports management uh, 18 years ago, and uh, yeah, I took the I took the plunge. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you remember the, the first deal?
1: The first deal that you brokered, the first deal that you were involved in. How was the feeling?
4: Um, the first deal, I, I'm just trying to really think. Is the sort of first one or the first sort of decent one? Was um, yeah, I think. Yeah, looking back now, I mean, it's, it's you know, you're always uh, striving for that first deal or that first good deal or whatever. So, yeah, it's a learning curve. It's always a learning curve. You're learning every day in the business. It's it's forever evolving. It's ever changing. It's, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, and it's, it's becoming more interesting these days, I must say. <laughs>
1: yes, it is. And, and please educate us here. What's the difference between an agent and an intermediary?
4: Look, I think really, to, to be honest, to, to be so, that it's basically the rules changed with FIFA a couple of years ago, going back to 2015, where basically FIFA just said, look, we, we don't have the time, the energy, the focus or whatever you want to call it to, to be dealing with problems relating to agents, uh, agents and players, agents and clubs. So they, they threw it back to the associations to basically deal with all matters relating to agents. And at the time, they also did away with the the exam uh, that people used to sit, which was a very difficult exam, and there was a lot of problems around the exam, especially in countries in in Asia and Africa, where you know there's a high level of corruption. So you know people were were, were were buying the exam, they were they were failing the exam when they passed the exam, and, and so on and so forth. So so basically, you know, it was it was thrown back to the associations and. And basically agents became intermediaries and really the only difference is that a player can can use somebody to be an intermediary for a specific deal and may not actually be signed to that agent and may not actually have that agent working for him full time.
1: Does it mean your uncle can represent you or your father?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Anybody can represent you in that in that respect, as long as that person is fit for purpose. Uh, that is the rules. I mean, the per the person has to be fit for purpose and has to be registered with an association and 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 have the form signed before before he, he does that uh, transaction. You can't just walk in off the street and do it. It has to, you know, if you follow the uh, the rules to the letter, then it has to be done in the right way. But, well, um, yeah. I mean, relatives can. Can, can do it, no problem.
1: Oh, so you still have to be registered to an association even if you're an intermediary?
4: Look, you have, to, you have to be registered with an association or you definitely have to follow the registration process in terms of before you do the transaction. So mm-hmm. certain forms have to be filled in uh, before the registration takes place and then that has to be obviously filed with all the other paperwork that goes in with any other deal. Oh, I see.
1: So, uh, as far as your career is concerned, Mr. Paul Mitchell, what are some of your highlights in, in this job?
4: Um, I think you get a lot of highlights. Uh, you get a lot of loans. A lot of highlights would be, um, you know, you've got proud moments when you when you see the vast difference you've made in somebody's life. You know, especially when you take a young boy, especially in Africa, when you take a young boy at sort of 15, 16, and he goes on to, to bigger and better things. Um that would be a, a bit. Would be a highlight for me. Um yeah, I mean, meeting a lot of wonderful people in my career, famous people, wonderful people in football. Um, so I've had many, to be honest. I've had many and, and, and many disappointments and, and many lows as well. I must admit.
1: And what are those lows?
4: Well, look, it's a it's a twenty four seven career, twenty four seven operation. If phone the stops. No matter where you are in the world, um, you need to be available to your clients, whether it's a client or a junior client. Everybody wants a piece of you, and um, you know, family life is um, yeah, it's not conducive to family life, and um, it's it's difficult. It's it's not a diffi- it's not an easy career. And it's difficult. It's a lot more difficult than people see. A lot of you know agents coming for a lot of stick from the public. I think especially in South Africa, a lot of it is unjust. Um, I think if if some of the people uh, putting that sort of stick out there were to come and spend a day or a week in the life of a a proper agent and somebody who's doing the job professionally and and in the right way, there would
1: Okay, okay. We're just going to take a quick break. For those joining us, uh, we're speaking to Paul M- uh, Mitchell, and we're just trying to understand uh, the profession of being an intermediary or a football agent. What does it take? He's already spoken to us about his highlights and how we got involved. Now we're going to find out what is the most difficult transfer is there to deal with and why. What's been uh, the most satisfying, I think, he's touched on a bit of that. And also to find out what is it exactly that they're responsible for. If they sign up a player, are they responsible to make sure the player buys a car and buys a house and makes investments and all that sort of stuff? policy for the lines today we seem to have a bit of an issue but we're going to try and get him on a better line after this break mr paul mitchell
0: the sport stories of the day on safm
1: we're still talking to paul mitchell do join the conversation if you have any questions i'll read some of the comments on social media our telephone line is 0891104207 and sms 40938 now paul mitchell i wanted to find out before the break what is the most difficult transfer you've had to do and why
4: <laughs> I you think I know, know the answer. answer <laughs> <laughs> you say. It. I think you've planted that question, haven't you? Um, the most difficult uh, transfer I've probably done was Pegan Davies to Montpellier. Why? Um, look, it was just not because you can't sense. speak French, right? Yeah, I can't speak French, and um, yeah, obviously everybody knows the story. It was very difficult at the time, but eventually it got done. So that was very difficult. Um, yeah, that's probably the most difficult one um, because of the situation.
1: But yeah, it's, uh, that's the so one. And uh, take us through what happens uh, when you are, when when you when you're about to sign a player. Do you spot a player, convince him to sign up for your agency, or, or, or do players approach you? How does it work?
4: Look, it, it works in both ways. I mean, we we you know, when actively I do a lot of a lot of scouting myself. I do. Most of the recruitment, uh, in myself, south you know go round round the world really, uh, scouting and looking, and yeah, I mean we get approached by players as well directly because of, of of who we are and what we do, and uh, you know the good brand that we've got, um, and the movement that we've had with players, so we do get approached by players on that respect, um, but yeah, I mean what we do is we have a certain way of looking, we we've got a we've got a criteria of what we look for. Um, what you know? What type of player we go for, uh, depending on age groups and stuff like that. We we tend to focus very young nowadays. We're focusing more from from twelve and thirteen age group up. So because I'm a big believer, if you can get a player very young, mm. um, twelve or thirteen, and it gives you that opportunity to work all the way through with that player, um, you know, and by the time hopefully he gets to the heights. Um, of where you want him to be when he's 19, 20, 21. You've had a lot of time to work on him because there's a lot of factors to do so that goes into it. It's not just about a player's talent. It's you know, it, lots of things go into it. Physical attributes, nutrition, you know, financial planning, uh, the the, the psychology of the player. There's so many, so many components that go into the makeup of a top player that the younger the you can get them, then it, the uh, the better it is to work with them. You know.
1: Yeah, you spoke about financial advice. What, what exactly are you responsible for in a player's career? Is it contract? Do you help buy houses? Do you help buy cars? Do you
4: advise? Well, look, we're a one-stop shop. So basically, our, 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 our premium job, our main focus is to make sure that the, the, career of, the career path of the player is done in the right way. And along with the career path of the player goes, obviously, everything from financial planning to, like you say, if they wanted to buy a property, if they wanted to buy a car, whatever it might be, pensions, all of that, tax, all of that. And we have somebody for every single different element. We will be able to put the player in touch with somebody. A lot of it we try to do through, through the banks. So you know we have uh, very good relationships with one of the major banks in South Africa. Um, and a lot of the players, um, you know, can get all of that uh, advice and help from that. But like I say, if, if a player needs to buy a house, we have somebody who can help him to do that and advise on bonds and stuff like that. If it's pensions, again, you know, whatever it might be, we, we have somebody.
1: How do you work out a player's pay bracket? Does it depend on the club that they're playing for? Does it depend on what the player has done or the potential that you see?
4: Yeah, look, it's all about markets, as you know. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working across the world and, and, and based, you know, between Europe and here and Africa, and you know, so it all depends on what market you're working on. If you're working in sort of African market, and you know the the salary bands at the top clubs, the middle clubs, the lower clubs, obviously depending on the achievement of the player. If you're working in
0: in, 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 in Europe,
4: again, Europe is like Africa. It's very diverse. It's very vast. It's very different. So it all depends on the the markets you're working in, to be quite honest.
1: And then there's a question here. They want to know, will it be a good idea for an agent to have a qualification in finance so that uh, instead of players having to pay an extra charge for a financial advisor? Uh,
4: Not necessarily. I wouldn't say it's a necessity. Uh, It depends on on, on your experience before. I mean... uh, you know, you, you as an agent, you can you, you can have lots of experience in that area, but you can't profess you can't profess to be an expert in that area. So, if somebody has got a qualification in, in that background, I don't see why that wouldn't help them if they moved into the sports management arena. Uh, you know, that would be a, would be an attribute.
1: Mm. Now, why are transfer fees kept a secret in South Africa, Paul Mitchell?
4: <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. Um, yes, I don't know if they really are. Um, I think I think a lot of transfers in South Africa are not actually players moving for money. I think there's a lot of freeze transfers. I think there's a lot of swaps. There's a lot of loan deals. There's a lot of there's a lot of that goes on. So I think the public think that a lot of transfers are happening and, and they're not and the, and the fees are not being revealed. So I don't think you know I, th- I would think out of 100 percent of transfers that take place in the country in the window, you might be luckiest. are actually transfer fees. So I think that's the main reason. Um, Granted, I I do agree with you that that it's not as out there as as probably some countries. Um, And I think you'll find that because in places like England and stuff like that, it's very more intense from a media um, point of view, and it's more intense because of the products and it's the Premier League, that you'll get probably more information. Um, but I think in South Africa it's mainly because not all transfers are are are, are paid for, you know. Mm. So, uh, but I do agree that clubs don't always reveal. But I, I don't really know why, to be honest with you. It's it's not something I really dwelt on, you know. Mm.
1: Finally, what is a signing on fee and when is it paid and how is it paid?
4: Look, a signing on fee is is a bit of an old word. Um, which obviously signing on fees now have, have generally been replaced by image and autographs, so image rights or image and autograph rights. It's, it's one of the same. Basically, to, to put it in, in sort of basic terms for the listeners, um, it's basically um, part of a player's annual package. So, for example, if a player was to be on 2 million rand say, a year, then he may he may be able to take a proportion of that, say, 500,000, 600,000, as an image and autograph, so it's a payment from the club uh, that is basically to uh, an allowance to the from to the player, and so that the club can use uh, his image, etc., within the context of the club, um, uh, um, you know, shirt selling, uh, marketing, and, and all of that. So okay. that's that's the difference between a, a, an image right and, and a signing on free. Signing on fee is an old word basically okay now used uh, for imagery
1: i've got i've got 45 seconds i just want to get this mm. quick question in from natia uh, Islander who says can i scout players in my area and recommend them to an agent and get a commission is that how it works
4: uh, well you know yeah i mean some agents will work like that you know um, if you recommend a player um, i'm sure it can be done we've done it in the past i would always advise somebody if you're doing that to make sure that they have you know, a proper agreement and and, and and things in place. But
3: why not? I
4: mean, yeah, that's the more people that come together to to spot telling in the country, it can only bode well for, for South Africa.
1: Okay, Natty Danny, there you have it. As long as you've got an agreement and you make sure that you've got an agreement, you can do it. It's been done before, Mr. Paul Mitchell. Thank you very much for your time and uh, just giving us a better understanding of what exactly uh, football agents and intermediaries do. You.